2: It's the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, aka Blender HD, because I couldn't get that Twitter name. I couldn't. Uh, people call it Blender HD, and then I just use it everywhere. It's not a blender on high definition. It's Blenderhead, but it's also uh, it's also me on top of you on uh, in GPPs. Hopefully not yesterday, but maybe today. And this is the DFS pregame show where we go over uh, yesterday's slate. We do a little bit of re- re- review. We go over some strategy. We take a first look at today's MLB slate and look at potential places that we could go uh, to get a little bit different than the field in GPPs. Mostly a GPP-focused show, large-field GPPs primarily. And this is what I do every morning. This is, I mean, this is kind of a ritual. I, I'm just doing it with you on YouTube. So I see all the, the YouTube people here. Bradley, play whoever you want. You got your coffee right. If you got your coffee, uh, Devin probably has some coffee. I I, I got water because I don't drink coffee anymore. To keep that coffee hot, you got to hit the thumbs up button. So if every everyone that's watching, in order to keep your coffee hot, or or you want your lineups to do well, why not? If you, if you want your lineups to do well, you got to hit the thumbs up button. If You want your opponent's lineups to do poorly, you hit the thumbs down button. I don't think it matters. I think YouTube doesn't care as long as you hit buttons, right? We got Ronald Coley here. We got Eric whatever. I can't pronounce your last name. Joe Babcock. Good morning. Tony Tischhauser, right They're talking about whether or not baseball is going to even happen. The Phillies have no positive tests so they're playing tonight okay so the Yankees Phillies game is on, but there may be some weather issues so I don't maybe maybe they don't end up playing maybe maybe it's karma or something like that but uh, but I prioritize the YouTube people here if you show up live, I know a lot of people listen to the show later on the podcast or they view it later on YouTube. If you're viewing it later, hit the thumbs up button anyway. But uh, if you are on YouTube, I answer your questions. So if you have any questions about strategy, about last night's slate, today's slate, the less of the picks, uh, I don't know. I don't know who the picks are yet. I mean, I, I'm looking at it for the first time myself. Okay, and I'm looking at uh, yesterday's slate and what some of uh, the, the better players, the top uh, MME players in the 150 max GPP last night because I do play that. I don't play 150 entries. But, I, but I'll play 50, 60 entries into that and, and see what they did. How did they get different? Where did they get their leverage? So I so I see all the people in the chat. I see Sean George, Chandler WH, right? Joe Babcock's here, right? Yesterday's slate was interesting in a way that – I mean, it was a six-game slate, first off. So yeah, it, the options were limited. I think at pitcher, you, I wasn't satisfied with anyone at pitcher, right? I mean, it was that type of thing that – deep Dylan Cease, I thought, was the de facto point per dollar kind of chalk guy. Like, okay, against the Royals, why not? Uh, Junis with his first start, I didn't, I didn't. I know he was cheap, cheaper, but I didn't think he would go past four innings in his first start. I mean, he ended up being twenty two percent doned and got hit up by the by the White Sox. So I wanted to stay away from Junis. I thought that the 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 chalk combination would be some combination of uh, Lester, Chirinos, and cease but the problem is is that if you play two of these guys it's hard to stack either of the teams in cores so if you were going to play two of these top two of these i want to call them top pitchers you you could play a three-man padres three-man rockies but it's going to be very hard to play a five-man of each so in order to play five man's of cores you have to go down kind of into the dumpster i thought the most popular options were going to be in the the met's Braves game, right? Peterson and Tommy Malone. I went, which was good for me, I went very heavy on Tommy Malone. Only because I thought that people would be more likely to stack against him with the Rays, using them as fillers. I mean, the Rays weren't like cheap, cheap, <coughs> but they were still cheaper than cores. So I figured that I'm not going to get very different if I'm playing like Cease and Cease, Chirinos, and then take Coors and White Sox, right? I I didn't think I would be that different. So I wanted to look at the cheaper options for the for the teams, for the lineups that were going to play Coors. It was probably going to be one of these three pitchers, Lester, Chirinos, or Cease, or Savali, right? One of the expensive pitchers, and one of the kind of cheaper pitchers, right? Peterson, Malone. I thought people didn't want to play Malone. So I played more Malone. And since people were playing Wright and Peterson, 17%, 11%, that I would use the Mets and the Braves as more of my stacks. So I would use the White Sox against Junis because I didn't want to play him at all because I didn't think he would go five innings. I thought he would be popular enough, and he was, 22%. So that's kind of my strategy on yesterday's slate. I could have done it with Chirinos. I could have said, okay, I could have stacked the Royals against Cease as chalk. I could have stacked the Orioles. I could have stacked the Pirates. I just thought that the uh, Mets and the Braves and the Twins, because I also played a lot of Twins against Savali, I thought these were the pitchers to attack because they got enough ownership and the offenses are good. Mets offense is pretty good. The Braves offense is good, and the Twins offense is definitely good. Rather than try to play the Pirates against against Lester or the Rays against or the Orioles against Chirinos, something like that. that that's that was my thought process. So while Tommy Malone came in at 8%, I, I had 38% exposure to Tommy Malone. I didn't even think about Senzatella, but if you're going to do well in cores, so be it. So whatever, you get 25 points at 9%. But across the board, you could see even like Ricky D, a lot of Kyle Wright, JBC, a lot of Kyle Wright. Saval, I mean, Savali, a lot of the top players did not play, but it was they were owned in the lower stakes contest a little bit more. I saw some people even like Stephen Brault, he was just extremely efficient in three innings, right? He had to get you, what, he got, uh, what, five or six strikeouts in three innings? That's the only way he could have gotten there. I mean, I wasn't thrilled to play Lester. I mean, do you, are you thrilled to play Lester? Are you thrilled to play Yanni Chirinos? No. But, I mean, that, that, that was my thought process. But you can see here, we take out the pitchers, and now we go to the, the field. The, the kind of the chalk was the White Sox and Coors, right? Because the White Sox were cheap enough on the slate. So we see some ownerships like, and we see like Ricky D, a lot of Tampa Bay. Like he, he, a lot of his lineups went downhill. I mean, he had Brandon Lowe. He did hit a home run, but he had a lot, a lot of Tampa Bay. But that went along with, you see his pitcher ownership, Lester. Let's get the pitcher ownership here. Right. Kyle Wright, Lester, Tampa Bay, and Coors. Right. So that, that, that went along with what he was playing. So we can take a look down on the ownership. See, E. Hafner, heavy on the White Sox. Heavy on the White Sox. Then we got some some Cubs here. We got Ricky D, heavy on the Rays. Colin Bennett, heavy on White Sox and Rays and some, some Braves and Cubs mixed in. Yeah, a lot, lot more in the Cubs for for Colin Bennett. Raging Phillip. A lot, lot, lot of cores in Cleveland. And I'd I Cleveland also. He's some Mets here. Let's scroll down even more. Yeah, Cleveland. So Raging Phillip didn't, I mean, his Cleveland lineups didn't really get there. But really, you need White Sox and cores, right? Did you have White Sox, Padres, Colorado? I'm just looking across. This is what I do every morning. I mean, I don't just look at six, six guys, right? Six uh, users. I just pulled out six just because it fits on my screen easier. But I could look at 20, 30 different, different players. Not saying like, oh, they picked the guy and I didn't pick it. Just like, what was the constructions that they were going with? I, uh, but I, I explained my thought process. So like they, they would look at mine and go, okay, I understand what you did, right? I mean, the, Bra- the Braves kind of got there, but didn't really get there. I didn't stack five-man as much yesterday. On a six-game slate, I-, I played a lot more 4-3-1 lineups on DraftKings. Because the more games that there are, if it's a 12-game slate, near all of my lineups are going to be five-man stacks. Either 5-3 or 5-X. Uh, on shorter slates, where there's less likely of one team putting up 10-plus runs, okay, 4-3-1. That doesn't mean I don't play five-man stacks, but I'm more inclined to play more four-three-ones. I could play 50-50 or something like that. So that's that's, that's a general theory of the bigger the slate in MLB, the more you should stack. The smaller the slate, the less that you should stack. Doesn't mean you don't stack, but just less inclined. More inclined, less inclined. Always think in those terms. Less inclined, more inclined, more likely, less likely, not. You must or you can't. Okay you could you could learn that in my course. I got a new ordeal course out. 15 hours. Go to theoryofdfs.com. I talk about that a lot. I talk mostly about this type of stuff. Not about the picks, more about the strategy of playing DFS as a game. Let's go into the chat. Uh, yes man scored 50 points yesterday. 50 points. Well, in total, that's not a good. I thought maybe 50 points at pitcher. I'm like, how the hell did you do that? You played Decease and Eunice. Yeah, another bad day. I wouldn't have played them both in the same lineup. Most of the time, I mean, I guess, yes, on a six-game slate, playing two pitchers from the same game, I guess is viable. But, I mean, you automatically limit the fact that only one of them could get the win. Cespedes opted out for the season. Yeah, we found Cespedes. Yeah, yesterday, on we were on crunch time. I did NBA crunch time with Will in the middle of the show. It's like, Cespedes is missing. Where did he go? Is he at the strip club? No, he opted out. Alex Santi was Cubs heavy, very Cubs heavy. I had some Cubs. I don't think I had Cubs stacks. Let me take a look here. Did I, did I play Cubs stack? No, no. I, I played them mostly as, uh, as like two-mans, three-mans, one-offs, right? Didn't work well, right? I did, the, I did a lot of the Indians. When are the Indians going to hit again? I remember the Indians were a good-hitting team. Apparently, they aren't anymore. What happened with the Indians? I look at their prices, and I go, okay, Cesar Hernandez, okay, serviceable. Uh, Jose Ramirez, okay, give him to me. Lindor, okay, Santana. Framil Reyes, he he wasn't in the game yesterday. I'm like, where's the offense? I see them scoring one run, two runs every game, or zero runs. What happened? At some point, the Indians are going to do well, and I'm going to have them, I hope. Tony Tischauer says, bigger slates, more stacking. Are you also using more spreading ownership in teams? Possibly. I mean, there are some slates where I may see one or two teams that are, that are popping in, in the bat and like, are going way under that I just decide to play a lot of them. Instead of playing like six teams across you know, 50, 60 lineups, maybe I only play two or three. And I'm heavily invested in those teams, but it really depends on the slate. Depends on the pitchers that are available. Cause like I said on this slate before, like I said before, with the like if you wanted to stack cores, you needed cheap pitching. Because the course prices were expensive. To get Machado, Story, Arenado, Tatis, those guys, like you needed to take a Kyle Wright or a Peterson or, or a Malone or a Brault. I mean, look, that's what that's what Raging Phillip and JBC JBC did. And just say, whatever I get, I get. They got they got hot in three innings. He got 14 points. But, I mean, they were perfectly fine taking eight, I guess, in that spot. But that was the only way to do it yesterday. So it's all a construction thing. So, like, yesterday I, was, I, yesterday I only played four pitchers. Lester, Torino, Cease, and Tommy Malone. That's why I had 38% Tommy Malone. Because I was playing against the Wright and Peterson ownership. Right? I wanted them to be owned. Because I'm playing Braves and Mets. I wanted Savali to be owned. I'm playing the Twins, right? I'm playing Kepler. I'm playing Cruz. I'm playing Garver catcher at four percent, right? Because I'm expecting people to play Savali. Because look, the pitching options not very good. Vincent Pizzullo asks, "Do you use Slate IQ and target only leverage stacks?" Uh, yes, I do use Slate IQ, but I don't necessarily only target leverage stacks. I'm ta- I'm targeting stacks that have a high win percentage that give me the most leverage. It doesn't mean I don't play a lineup. Like let's go, let's go. Here's a slate IQ yesterday, and this is premium. So I know this is a pre uh, a free show, but you're getting some premium stuff. So if you want to sign up for premium, go to rotogrinders.com/slash premium. You get this every day. You get so you get you get cheeses goods musings, the million dollar musings. You get the expert survey. You get the you get the the crunch time and the slate iQ and the grind down. you get so much content and the and the discord, which is always hopping. But if you go to slate iQ, like I'm not necessarily like looking at this is from yesterday, okay, so looking at slate iQ, I sort by winner, and I go, I mean it's a six game slate. you can have negative leverage all over the place because everyone it's overlapping so i stu- I looked at here and this stood out Cleveland the, right. High win percentage towards the top, 6.2% and positive leverage because there's not many with positive leverage. But look at all of this. You got Padres, or, uh, White Sox, Rockies, Braves. Negative leverage, but there's still high chance to win. if As long as I'm pairing these with lower owned plays, then it's fine. It doesn't matter that these are negative leverage overall as a four or a five-man stack. Because if I stack the, the Padres with Tommy Malone at 8% owned, and I have a one, a, 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 a Bradley Zimmer 1% one-off or something from the Indian, I'm, go, I'm good. So it doesn't matter that the stack in a vacuum is negative leverage. It just means that if I'm going to play Padres, I need to make them in much more different lineups. If I'm going to play the White Sox, I'm going to have to get a little bit weird. And that's where I got a little bit weird with Malone. Right? And then I have some Cleveland. Right, Cleveland gives me positive leverage, so I had a lot of Padres plus Cleveland plus Malone, Padres plus uh, Braves plus Malone, White Sox plus Brave. Like you, overall, the lineup is going to be positive leverage, even though the stack in a vacuum isn't. It's a six-game slate. It's very hard to find leverage in stacks unless you're playing, you know, the Royals against Cease, unless you, unless you're playing Baltimore against Torinos. I mean, you can do that but if I'm already choosing to get leverage with one of my pitchers and like a one or two man from, from Cleveland, then I can, I can play the chalky. I can play the chalky stuff. You have to think of your lineup as a whole, not just the the teams in a vacuum. There's a way to play heavily negative leverage stacks and slate IQ and still have positive leverage lineups. Okay. Going back into YouTube. The YouTube chat, the YouTube people are my most important people. So if you listen to this later, you got to come live 11 a.m. Eastern on, on most days, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, whenever, whenever, whenever it's scheduled. Any coupon codes for premium? I, I don't know. I'm not in charge of coupon codes. Use the coupon code, play whoever you want for, and it probably doesn't work, but use it anyway. Let's see what happens. Maybe P-P-W-Y-W doesn't doesn't work. I don't know. Ronald Coley said, I didn't know you guys had this leverage trade. Yeah, it's kind of it's like a top stack tool. It's kind of like it. It's not called that. It's called Slate IQ. No one else uses that name. And Slate IQ happened, I mean, this came out like two years ago. It even gives you, like all the other stuff on Slate IQ, I, I don't even bother looking at. Okay, because first off, most of the time, it's the same. We're analyzing, Slate IQ analyzes, like all of the results DB database, all of the DraftKings database, it doesn't work for FanDuel because we don't have the database for that. But most of the stuff you see here, like uh, you know, similar slates versus the average, is going to look the same nearly like every slate. Stack type leverage: five three, five two one, five one one one. I mean, on a small slate like a six game slate, you're going to see negative leverage all the time because it's almost uh, everyone's going to be owned enough. You're gonna see most of the time that five-man, nearly all the time, five-man stacks will be positive leverage because the field doesn't stack enough. But it's gonna it's it's gonna move by like what one 05 percent. So like looking at this, like it's not gonna change much on a day-to-day basis. Same for the pitcher combo leverage; it's not gonna change much on a day-to-day best basis. About like the actual pitchers and the hitters. I find it less valuable. It, it's it's less valuable to rely on because all it's looking at is that an $8,400 picture of a certain ownership on a previous, like it doesn't say that it's, like this doesn't mean Fernando Tatis. It just means a $5,900 uh, from a previous slate. So it doesn't give you any context. So I don't necessarily care that much. I mean, it's interesting, but I don't think it's reliable. Same for the salary spent by position and hitters and pitchers. It's gonna look the same most days, right? Winter salary tiers, it's going to, most of this information will look the same on most days. So the main thing I'm looking at is the team stacks. Because it considers price, it considers positions, and it considers projections. And that's that's what the basis of what I'm stacking based on, right? I mean, that's that's what I'm doing, right? How do I fit these stacks in together? Right, because I'm looking at like if we look at today's slate, for instance, because we take a look, let's say at the at the Yankees, for instance, against Arietta. I'm expecting the Yankees to be somewhat popular, right? Five point eight run total. Like the positions in the stacks matters almost as much as the batting order. Okay, so like typically my my rule, my general. I'm not saying I, it's not a hard, fast rule, is that home teams, if they do well, the 7, 8, and 9 hitters may not get an extra at-bat. So I'm less likely. Remember, I'm using the terms less likely and more likely, not I don't do it or I do it. I'm less likely to use the bottom of the order for home teams, and I'm more likely to use the bottom of the order for road because they get the top of the ninth inning no matter what. Okay? And then... I'm more likely to use middle infielders and catchers in a stack and less likely to use three outfielders in a stack because it fills up all on DraftKings. I mean, FanDuel, you get, you could, you could have a utility spot. You could use that. So looking at teams, I look at like the Yankees and go, okay, how do I stack the Yankees? I get LeMay, I get two middle infielders. I know Gary Sanchez has been horrible. But you could use 4,800 for Gary Sanchez striking out seemingly every get bat. Okay, I may throw him in. But I'm looking at this going, do I want to occupy all three outfield spots with Judge, Stanton, and Hicks and not have access to a one-off or a combination of another stack if I'm doing 5-3 by filling up all three outfield spots? Well, that's one thing I have to consider. So it's the type of stack where I'd rather, like the cornerstones of my stacks for, for Yankees would be LeMahieu and Torres because they fill middle infield spots so i'm more likely to stack one two three four seven right something like that or one two three five seven five six like gardner being an outfielder not scarce position and at home at the bottom of the order i'm less likely to use you know so the plate the projections take into account that lower plate appearance expectation. So that's what I'm looking at. So the positions and the order are as much as who they are. So if we could look over here at, for instance, let's, let's go to a cheaper team. I mean, Minnesota's cheap today. I, I think Minnesota's going to be fairly chalky today, right? They have a 5.8 run total against Holland, right? Uh, if this is the order, assuming what? Kepler's not, okay, Kepler's batting lower in the order. This is the predicted order. I mean, this is just a, this is a, this is a dream scenario because I get a catcher and a shortstop one and two in the order at home. I'm less likely to use Byron Buxton as an outfielder at the bottom of the lineup. But I'm more likely to use Adrianza if he's in for Arias because he's only 2,600 and he's at second base. Same for Marwin Gonzalez at third base. See, if I were to do this, I'd probably switch Marvin Gonzalez so he only appears as a third baseman. Maybe not as an outfielder because you have all these outfielders, right? Nelson Cruz probably chalky today. But I could see the stack being chalky, right? I could see us, Garver, Polanco, Cruz, some type of combination of that with either Marwin Gonzalez and then one of the lefties, either Kepler or Rosario. So now it's a little expensive, 4,100. But it fits, I get a catcher and a shortstop and I get them in the top of the order for a home team. And I don't have to necessarily play an outfielder on the home team. So that's what I'm looking at. How do they fit together? So let's say I wanted to play a Minnesota and a Yankee stack. Well, obviously I can't play Polanco and Torres together, right? But the Minnesota stack—if I don't want to play the two lefties, the outfielders—like I don't have to play Ursula. So let's let's put this together. How do we form this stack? Let's say we want to do a five-three. I'm going to bring up lineup preview. This is, this is this is how you would hand build, but this is kind of how lineup HQ works. How 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 you build. Five threes, five two one ones. How do you build them together? How you could you weave them together? So now that I don't have to use Sanchez striking out in the Yankees lineup, I can use Garver at catcher. Okay. Do I want to use Polanco or Torres? We'll see. Well, I want to use Judge. Okay. I may not have the money to pay for for Stanton at fifty eight hundred in the stack, but let's take Hicks. So I fill all three outfielders, right? I got two Yankees and a Minnesota guy right? I need a second baseman. So I'm going to take Lemehu over Adrianza. I'm going to need a first baseman. Instead of playing for Sano, I'm going to pay down and pay 4K for Voigt. So I got one, two, three, four. And then I'm going to need a third baseman. There's Marwin Gonzalez instead of Ursula. So where's Marwin here? I could stick that in, right? And now I have the choice, right? Because I got one, two, three. So I got a four, three. If I want to make a five, three, that would be uh, Gleyber Torres. If I wanted to make a 4 4, that would be Corey Belanco. So there you go. 5 3 with the Twins. You got average remaining salary, 8100 You go to pitcher. Let's see what we can make pitcher wise happen. I don't know if we could get Cole in this lineup. Let's see. Can we get Cole and a 59? We probably can't do that. Uh, we could get, uh, let's see, Soroka and the $6,900 pitcher, maybe you can figure out a way to put the pitchers together. Maybe Rodon and 9,300. Rodon and 7.0. Oh, you get Danny Duffy, I guess. And I'm just doing this by... I'm not saying you should play Soroka and Duffy and leave 300 on the table. But there you go. Here's the 5-3. Here It fits together well because the positions line up well with these two teams. You get a 5-3. Yankees. Minnesota. But let's say... Let's say you want to play Adrianza here instead. Let's go to hitters. Because you want to keep the stack size cheaper. You go to Adrianza. You plug him in. So you're playing kind of bottom of the order over here. It gives you 1,800 left. So now you're playing 1, 2, 3, 4. And you're playing, this is a 4-4. Four, four. It gives you 1,800 left. So now we could, we could get up. Now we could get up to Cole. Gives you 200 left from Danny D- Yeah, and there you go. A 4-4, and now you got Cole and Duffy. You're playing Adrianza and Gonzalez, though. But let's say you wanted to... Well, you wouldn't play Sanchez here. No, I mean, you would do something like this, yeah. You could play Polanco instead here and make it a 5-3. Right, we're going go to go to hitter. Make it a 5-3. You got 500 remaining. Let's go to pitchers now we could upgrade Duffy if you wanted to upgrade Duffy and we got 7100 and there you go Carlos Rodon. there's that lineup right we got one two three four five man Minnesota, three man Yankees Whites and Nicole Rodon lineup there you go this is this is how, how you'd build for for single entry hand build if you even if you're just building a couple of lineups for the big field GPPs. How do the lineups fit together? What positions? It's kind of hard when you're going to stack two teams that like all their best players are all in the outfield or they all their best players fill middle uh, corner infield positions, right? You're going to play the White Sox today, right? Let's say you play White Sox today. Most likely you're playing a or and Carson Nacion. I mean, they have two first basemen eligible, right? So you're going to go and you're going to play the White Sox. I mean, you're going to fill up your your first baseman position. So the the team that you should be stacking with them probably has a weaker first baseman that isn't in the middle of the order, right? So you, let's say we're stacking White Sox, for instance. We're going to do this. Let's go by order. We're going to take Robert or Robert. I don't know, Moncada at third, Eloy, and McCann, maybe something like that. So we need a set. We need two middle infielders. Right? Well, the, the Yankees, right? I mean, we're going to need cheap pitching if we did that. So you have to look and say, okay, would I rather play Moncada, Abreu? Would I rather play Eloy? Maybe I don't play Eloy, and I play Lurie Garcia in a shortstop spot. So I get to access to two outfielders, and I already have cheap, a cheap shortstop. Now, let's see. Let, now we're going to go to the Yankees, and I could get LeMayu, Judge, and Hicks. 8,500 remaining, and there you go. I could get, I could get, uh, probably can't get Cole. But let's say instead of Hicks, I go up to Stanton, 7,800 remaining, I go to pitcher, and now I could get two of the 7K to 8K pitchers, right? And they fit in together. But it's less likely to play Voight in the stack when the White Sox have two first basemen eligible. So how do you fit the stacks together? Not just the teams, the positions, the batting order, how do they fit together well? So I hope that's a, that's a good explanation of like, that's that's my thought process. And, that's, and it's not just hand building. I mean, I do that when I build my player pool. So I don't just leave everyone in. I go, how do these teams fit together? I look at, you know, I look at Slate IQ and I go, okay, I could, how do these teams fit together? If I play the Mets, well, I'm going to have to leave a lot of first base availability for Pete Alonso. Because if the Mets stack goes off, it's going to, I mean, maybe, yeah, Pete Alonzo could go 0 for 5 in the middle of it, but likely not. So I'm going to have to play less stacks. I'm going to have less first base exposure to other teams. If I'm going to play the Yankees, I'm most likely going to need an outfield, at least one outfield spot, right? I, I see it's very hard for the Yankees to have be the top stack and Judge Stanton and Hicks go 0 for, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need an outfield spot for one of them, at least, if not two. Same from Minnesota. It's kind of hard to see. Cruz, Rosario, Kepler, like no outfielders on the Minnesota. You have a five-man stack, and it doesn't include any outfielders, right? So you have to think in those terms. So if you have any questions, general strategy, today's slate, yesterday's slate, anything on YouTube, while you're at it, keep the coffee hot by uh, hitting that thumbs-up button. David Murray asked Danny Duffy for cash. Yeah, I think he's fine. We take a look at, uh, I have the bat X projections for pitcher. It looks like, looks like you're probably going to play Cole with one of these three guys. That's what it looks like. In cash, I guess, on this slate. You're going to play Cole with either Montus Rodon, or Duffy. I think they're all fine. Or and if you're gonna stack expensive bats, you're gonna you're gonna take three, two of them. I think you're probably playing Cole over DeBrum De Grum. I think Paddock is the most interesting. People aren't gonna want to play him against the Dodgers, but he's seventy six hundred and he's a good pitcher. And they're 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 playing at San Diego, so that's a that's a decent ballpark. So maybe interesting for GPPs, maybe not cash against the Dodgers. Off the board Tony plays today, I just said so. But I have to wait until ownership. Like, I don't know. Jamino's uh, the hamster wheels, they haven't been turning yet. That'll come in the afternoon. So I'll have to see whether or not, you know, how these how these guys fit in. So I don't think anyone's playing. that no one's playing the the course pitchers. I don't think anyone's playing Walker Bueller, most likely on a pitch limit for 10-3. Soroka is usable, but I mean from a from, he's a better real life pitcher than he is. And he is a DFS pitcher. I mean, he'll, he, could, he could pitch six, seven innings but just have two strikeouts. Run prevention. I wouldn't touch Arietta against the Yankees. Brett Anderson can't, it does, I mean, Brett Anderson is probably a decent throwing pitcher but he'll get one strike. I mean, it doesn't matter. Well, the White Sox have a lot of strikeouts in their lineup. Yeah, but Brett Anderson has like a 12% strikeout rate. Right? Do you want to play Derek Holland against the Twins? I don't. Alec Mills, do you want to pay 8000 for Alec Mills? Against the Royals, maybe. Justice Sheffield, I'm not confident about him. So I think it's primarily up here in these four guys. Do you look at plate IQ on its own at all or just lineup IQ, lineup HQ, since most of the stats are included? Yeah, I'd, plate IQ is good if you want to like dig deep into specific statistics, but I rely on projections. So like the projections include everything, right? So like the bat, like Cardi's bat projections or even... Uh, because we at Rotogrind, if you're a premium member, you get uh, sports sports, info solutions, SIS projections. They include everything, that's the point of our projection model, it includes everything that you'd need to see. And it comes up with a number with a floor and a ceiling and a median right here. So anything that I'd look at would be double counting. So for instance, if I'm looking at these pictures, for instance, or let's say these hitters, I'm going to go to hitters. I'm going to go by point per dollar or whatever. Just fantasy points. I go Trevor Story or something. Let's let's go to like okay, a Holland against Cruz. 9.8 median, right? 27 point ceiling. That represents like, but he's facing a lefty. Well, it's already in there. That's part of his median of 9.8. Oh, but he hits a certain pitch. It's, it's, it's already in there. Like that 9.8 median and the floor ceiling of 2 to two twenty seven includes all of the, anything that would be relevant that is predictive in a projection model is already included in. So for me to get then go, well, he has a 9.8 median projection and he's facing a lefty is double counting because it's this number considers that already. Same thing in basketball. You go, oh, I'm looking at a, a 32 point projection and he's facing the, the crappiest team and it's a high total. It, well, it already includes that. You're just going to be double counting. So all, all the projections are, are combinations of all the stats you could possibly look at that would be relevant and gives you outcomes based on it. a median 50%, 50th percentile outcome and the, you know, 15th percentile and like 85th percentile, right? That's what the floor and the ceiling are, kind of, kind of the 15th. Now, it's something that'll happen... You know, Stell will score at least two points at least eighty five percent of the time. they will score twenty eight points fifteen percent of the time. That's what that means. That's what the floor and the ceiling means. Baseball is a little bit wider range of outcomes because of home runs, right? It's 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 not it's not likely that someone puts up two points, right? A walk, and it's also you know three home runs. I mean. You don't. You don't necessarily get the medians a lot of times. It's very. Stan probably doesn't get nine points today. He probably gets three or like twenty, but nothing in the middle. But these are still medians. You're more likely to play four three one stacks on FanDuel on a big slate, right? Yes. The same concept applies on FanDuel. The more games, the more likely you should be. St- you should be heavily stacked or only stacking. The less games, you can make the case to stack less. Doesn't mean you don't stack, but on a six-game slate, like on a 12-game slate on FanDuel, I'd be exclusively playing either 4-4 or 4-3-1. I would not consider anything else on a on a on a normal size slate, 10 plus games. As we get one get less and less, five-game slate, yeah, now I'm now three three, 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 two, three, three, one, one. Four one 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 one, right? just have one four man stack and four one offs, four two one one, those types of things. Even two, 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 two. I mean, I maybe maybe not that to that extent. The more games there are, there's more likelihood that one team becomes the team. That's that's the that's the concept. That if there's 15 games going on, there's 30 teams that could possibly score 15 runs. And, and they're gonna be owned by someone right? Even if it's, if it's 1% though, but one likelihood of one of the teams putting up enough points that a five man stack wins a GPP is much higher on a five game slate. There's only 10 teams. There's only 10 teams as opposed to 30. So, I mean, we've seen on five game slates, it could be one game is two to nothing. Another game is five to two. Another game is three to one. Another game is four, 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 three. Another game is one, nothing. And like, yeah, the one team put up five runs, but probably five guys from that team didn't score enough for just, giving up, just putting up five runs. It's, is there going to be a team that puts up eight, nine, 10, 12 runs? More likely on larger slings. Ryan Norton says, I think you're overlooking the heavy splits in favor of Ariadne versus New York. I won't play because of limited K upside, but you know, Yankees very right-handed heavy versus big right-handed splits. No, I am considering that. That's what I do by looking at the projection, and it looks awful. <laughs> right? He's towards the bottom. He's sixty-two hundred. What's his upside? If that? If he even just doing run prevention? I just I'd rather play Montes, Rodon, or Duffy. It's already all of what you said is already in the projection. So it, it's already giving me this, and it's it's based on a point per dollar scale, based on the bat, at least. Right? We got what. Eight games on the slate, so the, what, 16 pitchers? He's raised towards the bottom. Doesn't mean you don't play him. You can go play him. I won't. But, I mean, though, those, those uh, instances that you're, you're mentioning, because of the right-hand heavy and his big splits, it's already in the projection, right? And he still grades it out to be fairly low, at least uh, with, with Guardi- Cardi's back projection. How do you like the a's going against Sheffield? He's a lefty going against the a's team with a lot of right handed power in your opinion? I mean the a's should be low owned right? I mean Sheffield actually projects fairly well Sheffield projects better than atta Arietta against uh against the a's the a's have not been doing well. I mean, I played a ton of Kikuchi against the a's so let's go to let's go to let's go to uh, oakland four point nine run total. The bat doesn't seem to like him all that much yeah yeah look look right. Really? Look at these prices. You're, you're going to be unique because no one's playing these guys. How do you play them at these prices? Marcus Simeon is 5,000, 5K plus. Chapman, 5K plus. Loriano 5K plus. Marcana is nearly 5K. Olsen's 5,400. Yeah, feel free to. No one's going to play them. Go for it. <laughs> at these prices, let me look. This is nuts. Oakland at Seattle. I mean, you could get Colorado. Look, you could get Colorado. You get the Rockies with a seven run total for that price. You get San Francisco even. For a cheaper, a champ, the core stacks are cheaper than the A's. You get the Yankees, right? Much cheaper than the A's. Even Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta has a low run total. Minnesota is much cheaper, a much higher run total. Yeah, you feel free to play the A's. No one's going to play them. That, that would be the reason. But from a projected standpoint, they, they grayed out as probably the worst team on the slate. <laughs> Point for dollar-wise, other than maybe Chad Pinder if he's in the lineup. Right, against the lefty? Right, okay, he's fine. Maybe play a Chapman one-off or something. But look at these prices. This is ridiculous. If they were cheaper, sure if they were in the mid-4Ks? Mid But I don't know what DraftKings is thinking. Are they cheaper on FanDuel? Let's take a look at FanDuel. I didn't consider the A's until I looked. I'm like, oh my God, how expensive are they? Let's take a look at the... Okay, a little bit more bearable. But they're still expensive, right? You just still have to pay up, right? You're still over 3K for every hitter. Compare that to Colorado. Yeah, Colorado is a little more expensive. You have to pay 4 k for these guys. Yeah, San Fran is about comparable to the A's. Right? You play Dickerson, Yastrzemski, play those guys. Well, let's take a look at Minnesota. Minnesota's a little bit cheaper, especially with Garver being only 2500 And then we got the Yankees. And the Yankees are cheaper. But look, Yankees are cheaper than the A's. Klayber Torres is 3 k Aaron Hicks is 2700 in that lineup. Yeah, I, I think on both sides, the A's are. You would play them because they're overpriced, but no one's going to play them. I mean, you're not playing them because they project well. You're playing them because then maybe they're 2% out. I think. But I can't in my right mind pay 5400 for Ramon Laureano when he's <laughs> nearly the same price as 50- I don't know. I don't know how you. I I mean, yeah, they'll be lower on. That's about it. Ryan Norton says you don't want to play Arietta. I'm just saying the Yankee bats will be quieter when he's in there. Well, it's could possible. Why are you saying the word will? I don't know, but there's a percentage of that time that that happens. Yes. Remember, it's best to think probabilistically, not what will happen, but what's the probability of certain things happening. Will the A's at those prices be? the top stack on this slate there's a probability that happening it's not zero okay but it's not high maybe two percent three percent something like that so it's not like they can't it can't happen just like Jake Arrieta you could throw six innings and then strike out five and no hit them right there's a percentage of time that happens is it a high percentage of time not not even close Adam Haynes asks for GPP. What percentage? What potential ownership percentage would you keep keep you off the the starting pitcher? For example, Cole tonight. It I don't think in terms of players. Think in terms of lineups. There's no. There's, I. I have no problem playing chalk as long as I'm playing in a lineup that doesn't have the rest of my lineup being chalk. So I have no problem looking on the slate, sort by point per dollar, playing Derek Cole, uh, Garrett Cole projection actually came down. It gets up to back upstates like every 10 minutes or something. No, if Cole's going to be 50% owned, I just need to make sure that I play Cole in stacks that are lower. owned. So it doesn't mean I don't play. Him. So you have to think in terms of lineups. So if Garrett, Cole, it, it, it could be 90% owned. I still may, I may not play a lot of them, but I know in the lineups that I play Garrett Cole, I need to be different. Elsewhere, more different. I need to get more leverage elsewhere. Obviously, if I don't play Cole and he's 90% on, which he's not going to be that on, then I've already gotten tons of leverage by just not playing. So you think of your lineup as a whole. Look at this lineup preview. Think of how does the lineup look? You can play Garrett Cole, but then how does the rest of the lineup have to look for the contest that you're in? If you're playing a large field GPP, you need a lot of leverage from the rest of your lineup. If you're playing a single entry, you don't need as much. So you can still play Cole if he's if if he's gonna be owned. Because so we're gonna see like, let's say Minnesota. Like if we go through like what the chalk kind of combination is gonna be, I'm assuming we're gonna see something like, like maybe Garver, Polanco, Cruz. Maybe some some type of some type of Yankee Minnesota type of lineup. Like if I'm doing this, like okay, I wanna I want to play twins. I'm going to play, you know, this type of five-man stack, something like this. But now, like, how do I get different? Because, like, okay, I'm playing chalky guys. I'm playing a chalky stack with a chalky pitcher, right? Do I go to the White Sox? No, because they're going to be chalky, right? Do I go to the Colorado? No, they're going to be chalky. So I'm like, okay, where can I go off the board a little bit, right? So I take a look. Maybe I go to Chicago. I go against Duffy because Duffy may be popular. So I'm not going to play Duffy here. Right? I'm going to do something different. So I'm going to play bats against Duffy, but it's going to be kind of hard with these prices. So maybe I play a Sousa one off in the outfield to figure out a way to get these bats in. So let's see. Let's go to the pitcher. Let's say I'm going to play Rodon in this spot. I have 47.50 left. And I go to hitter. So I'm like, I'm going to need, let's take a look. Can I get another Chicago bat, maybe Bodie, right? In the second base spot. And I got six out, okay, And then I could play whoever I want at that point, right? Do something like this. Not necessarily this exactly, but here's a way that I got I chalk, Cole, a chalky call, a chalky Minnesota stack, but then I went off the board a little. In my one-offs. Maybe instead of playing Sousa down there, you play... Play one offs. You got Bodie here. You got Rizzo against a lefty, which like no one's gonna play. And you got thirty four hundred left at an outfield spot and you take a one off. Let's see who's available. I'm not gonna make necessarily make this lineup. Let's go point per dollar. What I got, thirty four hundred? Yeah, dude, I could I could fit find someone here, right? Thirty four hundred. You know, I mean you could play like an Alex Gordon against Alec Mills or something. But Rizzo's going to be 1% owned at 5,300 at first base. Bodie will be against Duffy because people will play Duffy. Gordon, probably not much. So you, there you go. You could play Chalk Twins, Chalk Cole. Rodon's going to be decently owned, and you still have enough leverage, and you're fine. You're good. So it's just a matter. If you're going to play Chalk, what do you play in the rest of the lineup? Just like if you think the opposite, if you're going to play something really off the board, if you got, we're going to stack Oakland, overpriced Oakland, for instance. All right? Let's go to overpriced Oakland. No one's playing. I mean, this is, this is absurd to pay these prices. But let's say you're, gonna, you're throwing Pinder in there, right? And Chapman and Simeon, you get your middle infielders. You get Canha you, you and Loreano, something like this. Like, no one's playing this. Like, this is just absurd to pay to pay this price for, for the Oakland on this slate. So once you do this, once you play the five-man Oakland stack like this, just play the chalkiest guys everywhere. I mean, like, you've got, like, the stack in and of itself is going to be so low, low enough owned that just play the chalk everywhere. Play the chalk catcher one-off, the chalk first baseman one-off, and the chalk outfielder one-off with the chalk two pitchers. You're good. If this stack goes off, if Oakland puts up 10 runs, you're, you're good. You win. You win the whole thing. You're good. Is a 5,000 entry single entry tournament considered large? It's whatever. It's a scale. There's no such thing as large field, small field. Remember what I said before about the, the amount of games and how the tendency to stack, right? More likely, less likely. Don't think in terms of, so is, is 5,000 large field and then 49.99 that's small field? Not like, it's only the difference of one entry. The more entries there are, the more leverage you need. The less entries there are, the less leverage you need. There's, there's, a, there's a difference between a 30,000 entry contest and a 500,000 entry contest. FanDuel had a million entry contest. The, the amount of leverage you need in that is much different than a 50,000 entry contest, which is what we normally get. A 300 man contest, you don't need as much leverage at all. That 1,000 man, well, a little bit more than that. Three thousand, a little bit more than that. So it's a scale. So don't think in terms. What I typically, when I when I use the term large field GPP, I'm talking about multi-entry, like the main, like the fifteen dollar one fifty max GPP on DraftKings, like whatever that main one is, or on Fanduel, whatever, like the four dollar and forty four cent, whatever, you know, forty thousand fifty thousand entry, one hundred and fifty max type of content. That's what I consider. That when I call it large field, anything that's single entry, I would never consider large field. I would just consider that a single entry, a big single entry contest, but not like a large, you know, hundred thousand the first, and and pretty much by the time you get to like twentieth place, it's like a set of steak knives. Camden Wallen is NBA pregame going to come back? No, I'm sorry, I'm focused on baseball. And also, we the, the the NBA regular season is only going to be like what two weeks long, right? Hopefully, we'll have baseball longer than that. And then we get into the playoffs. So, so I'm sorry. If you, if you want NBA stuff, uh, wait, wait till next season. When, when, they're, when, they're, when we're not playing them together. Typically, typically, by the time baseball starts up, it's kind of the end of the basketball season. We get into the playoffs. But I mean, obviously, during December and January and November, we'd normally be doing NBA pregame type shows. Would someone like Stanton be underowned in a Yankee stack because of his price? Uh, maybe a little bit so. But, I mean, he's still going to appear in Yankee stacks because, I mean, he's one of the Yankees. I think more likely people will try to jam him in. I think it's more likely that people, if this is the order, that, I mean, I'm just assuming that the top, they, they're going to they're play all three outfielders. I don't, see, I don't see someone, I see Judge being more popular, but I see maybe Hicks not being even though he's cheaper. But I mean, if you shove all three outfielders in, I mean, it just gives you it doesn't give you much wiggle room to find players that are an outfield eligible that you'd want to play. Catcher first, third. Just be harder. It's harder to build stacks this way. You could have some that do this, sure. Use all three outfield spots. Just it's harder to weave two stacks together in a four four or five three or something like that by using all of your outfield spots. That's the reason why I don't do it as much. Bradley says, Blender, you're becoming super close in some of these $15 GPPs. Yeah. Yeah, the past week, two top 10s. Came in sixth, came in ninth. Close, very close. But that's all you can do. Put yourself in the opportunity to get a top 10. And then at that point, it's, it's variance. Build lineups that have good first place equity. Get, get up there. Right, don't be scared. We, we had one person in the bat chat that you know the the day that Luis Luis Castillo was uh, was, ch- was chalk like sixty eight percent down. He just said, "Screw it, I'm going to stack against him," and he actually did extremely well that day because Castillo did, got didn't didn't do horribly, but he got hit by the Tigers and he just said, "Nope, I'm going to play the Tigers vomit stack, five man Tigers vomit stack," and it, it and it worked out. And all those guys were like one percent down. You have to understand in those types of lineups. It, a lot of the time, you're going to come in last place doing that, right? Or come in first. Those are the types of lineups that you should be building, not safe lineups for large field GPPs. Don't worry about minimum cashing. Worry about how much equity do I have in first place with this line? Tony Tishauer asks, with Judge Hotstreet likely pushing ownership high, do you go under on him? It's not about players, man. It's about lineups. If I'm playing Yankees today, I will be playing Aaron Judge. I'm not going not, I'm I'm to play Yankee stacks and just not have Judge in any of my lineups. Yes, Judge's ownership probably will be inflated today. So that just means if I have Judge in my lineup, I have to assume that he's going to be higher owned. And what does the rest of my lineup need to look like to give me enough leverage by playing Aaron Judge or by playing a Yankee stack with Aaron Judge? Because he's still, he's, he's still a good play individually. Aaron Judge, at, if, he, if he comes in at 28% ownership, he's probably over-owned, right? Less likely to play as a one-off. Play him in stacks, sure. Go for, I mean, it's correlated with obviously the rest of my lineup. But I'd probably be under. A tw- if he's 28% owned, I'm less likely to have him as a one-off. I may still have some one-offs, but he'd only be a one-off in very contrarian stacks or with contrarian pitchers. Doesn't mean I don't play him at all. I, some, some days, maybe I would just decide to X him out. It depends on what I'm going trying to do on that given day. So do we got anything else before we go? This is a pro, this is a productive Monday. A lot of times Mondays aren't productive. Everyone's just, oh, it's the weekend's over. Got to gotta, gotta not go to work. Does anyone leave for work anymore these days? I don't know. Does anyone go outside anymore? Mask up if you do. But hopefully, hopefully we got baseball for the rest of the week. I mean, uh, I know that the Manfred's having a meeting or something. But uh, it was good that the Phillies, there's no one positive from the Phillies. But now the Cardinals have a problem. The Marlins apparently are going to be playing soon. With what players? I have no idea. What, I don't know what their lineup's going to look like. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see that for the rest of the week. Uh, Britt will be on Wednesday for the pregame show. I will be back on Friday, uh, and I, bl- I believe that Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't. I, we're kind of playing it by ear on Roto Grinders because we got the slates and the NBA slates. Sometimes include the early games. Sometimes they don't. We got other shows going on. So, so I will. I will catch you next time on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com.